This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for information and inspiration on the parenting journey. Just wanted to give you a heads up that from now until the 11th of March, the podcast is being taken over. We've got a limited series happening. You're going to hear about it in just a moment. The Art of Connected Parenting. So still the same deep value that you get every Monday here on the Joyful Courage Podcast, but we will be sharing the limited series, Art of Connected Parenting for the next little while. And the good news is this limited series is good for all parents, young kids, all the way through the teen years. So check it out and enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to our super special podcast series, The Art of Connected Parenting, where the founders of Sproutable are coming together to talk about the power of up-leveling, how we think about and understand our roles and relationships with our kids. Just to remind you of who we are, I'm Casey O'Rourke, host of the Joyful Courage podcast, positive discipline lead trainer, mom, adolescent lead at Sproutable. With me are Alana Beebe, our managing director, you can wave to the people. There you go. Brilliant. Thoughtful <laughs> mama and positive discipline parent educator and my sister from another Mr. Julietta Skoog, also a mom, early years lead and positive discipline trainer. We're so excited to continue to dig into this work with all of you. Thank you for being here and listening in and watching our web series. Is that what we call it? Video extraordinaire. We'll see what we're going to call it. The last episode, we <laughs> dug into the ways shame and guilt and self-doubt and fear show up and get in the way of who we want to be for our kids and how we show up for them. Check it out. If you missed it, it's a really useful conversation. This week, we're talking about shifting our perspective and embracing imperfection so we can learn and grow as parents and humans. Hey, ladies. Hi. Hi. Here we yeah. are again. I know. How do you feel about this topic? Oh, it's so meaty. I mean, it's everything, I feel, right? Yeah. And I think it's really the shift as we move. It's a really nice segue from the conversation around shame and guilt and self-doubt because when we can let those pieces, as we talked about, kind of dissolve in the 
Petri dish of empathy as we ended our last podcast, Mm -hmm. then that's when we get to start embracing the imperfection. That's when we get to say, it is messy. There's always going to be those challenges. And what are they trying to inform us? Yeah. Yeah. It's the opportunity to really, for me, it's like where all the fun work happens, right? It's where we really get to get excited and interested and curious and be scientists and, you know, navigate that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I think about, you know, I like to talk about the teenagers. And for me, when I think about embracing imperfections, it goes back to that messiness, messy terrain conversation, right? right? Like, I mean, I want to say especially, but I know it's not especially. So I'll just say in the teen years, you know, there's teen brain development happening. There's novelty seeking. There's pulling away from parents. There is learning to be an adult you know, for the first time, first heartbreaks, right? First sneaking around, maybe first lie that we're telling, like first, like, oh, look what I can do. And I really appreciate just holding all of that as typical developmentally appropriate behavior, because it allows me to be with it without freaking out, you know? And my kid, my kids, Talked a lot about Rowan, but I won't show the fine details of Ian, but he's absolutely a typical teenager, right? And when we make that challenges list, as many of you have done our classes, start with lists of challenges, all the things pretty much that come up on the list of challenges are things that have shown up in my house with my kids. And there's something really sweet that can happen when we're not in resistance. Right. Right? We're not in resistance of the challenges, but we really follow through with what we invite parents into, which is how can these be opportunities to teach, model, and practice mm-hmm. life skills? And when we're in freak out mode or we're in resistance, there's no space for that. Right. So funny that you caught yourself being like, especially in the teenage years, because I immediately go to how messy the early years are and two, three, four, exactly. all the emotional brain development. <laughs> I was just thinking the about how big feelings. Dr. Siegel says, right? Not the terrible twos, the terrible threes and the effing fours. Yeah. Does he say that? The effing fours? Is that where that came I'm from? Because I want it sure. to be for him. I'm pretty sure that's where I, yes. My scientist crushed. If Dan not Siegel. him, then it was Tina Bryson for sure. Okay, okay. But the idea also when I, like with my own four-year-old to be like, oh, here it is. And not be so in resistance to that. Like we would never think of a four-year-old not having a tantrum or being surprised by a tantrum, right? In these early years. And so why are we surprised at the teenagers when they yeah. do some of these things? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. <gasps> yeah. I like this idea. You talk about Julieta in your classes and Casey, you might talk about this too, but I've been to a lot of Julieta's classes and not as many of Casey's. <laughs> on, I don't have a teenager yet, so I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> but this idea of like fake it till you make it, right? We might not be able to quiet that voice of shame and fear and guilt all the time. But when we have some of this understanding of development or what's happening for our kids, then we can quiet it down enough to then dig into mistakes or opportunities to yeah. teach and learn, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. And so fake it till you make it, right? It's a practice. Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes you're really on it and sometimes you're not so on it. Sometimes it's easier yeah. and sometimes it's not. Sometimes you have just missed the boat for so long because you've been living in your fear state and then it just hits the wall and you're like, oh, wait, this is where I actually wanted to be all this time before, you know? And that's okay, And that part, I mean, it really is, like, you've got to climb on board. 
of the yeah. embracing the challenges. I mean, that is exactly why we do this day one of any single class because, and I talk about this a lot with sibling conflict too, that you've got to embrace the conflict. You have to just like accept there are going to be these challenges and use it, harness that. Yeah. You know, it's not easy. I yeah. exactly. That's why even if you're fake until you make it, because you're like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. I'm feeling the feels here. I'm unsteady. And when we have that compass of, okay, and this is, we get to use this to explore, grow, et cetera, then, yeah. Well, and I don't say fake it till you make it, but I do talk a lot about like, okay, you don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. Breathe it out. Breathe it out. And the, in your back pocket, one of my favorite go-to responses is, mm, tell me more, which I know you yes. see, you know, mm-hmm. that's universal, but it's mm-hmm. like, tell me more about that right, is such a powerful place to gather information, which is also useful in embracing imperfection because when imperfection slash misbehavior slash mischief slash fill in the blank shows up, we immediately go into this place of making assumptions. What is, we make meaning, right? What does this mean about my kid? What does this mean about me? What does this mean about the future? And without all the information, it's a useless endeavor right. to sit inside of that meaning making. Well, and I think where I lean into the that particular like fake it till you make it is around this idea of connection with our kids. Mm. And I have so many parents who are like, I don't feel the connection. I don't want to connect. I don't want to. I'm so irritated right now just in the messiness of the transition of the getting them to bed and yeah. getting them into the bathtub and getting their jammies on and brushing their teeth. I don't want to find the fun. I don't want to connect with them. Mm. And so it's that part where yeah. it's like really understanding, all right, embracing the messiness that is mm-hmm. the after dinner routine mm-hmm. and, you know, trusting that connection is the way. And so finding that one little bit that you can do mm-hmm. of just can pull out. making the connection. Exactly. You mm-hmm. know, the one thing that they're super into and then that little way of just that piece of like, do you want to play Paw Patrol as we run? Or do you want to be the blue race car or the red, you know, that one little bit, even as you're like swallowing the pill of just irritation, that might open that little bit of a window. Or you watch a documentary about Lil Baby. Oh, what's Lil Baby? Lil Baby, yeah. the rapper out of Atlanta. Oh, that's the connection? That's the <laughs> oh, connection? Yeah. Uh, yes. I am yeah. not, that is not my genre of music. And Ian is super into rap. And he doesn't want to watch what I want to watch. And, but if I'm like, sure. He's like, you want to watch a documentary about a rapper? Yeah, let's yes. watch it. And guess what? It's mm-hmm. usually pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then great conversation starters. Right. So I guess, yeah. yeah so yeah. that is a thing. Yeah. Especially that connection piece. Because I think as they get older, it's a different, like, you know, I'm still encouraging parents to get to know their growing people, their growing kids. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we're into the same things. It's like, so what? I know. Totally. So what? Yes. Well, mm-hmm. I think that's where personality piece. Little baby. And also, the, there's a lot of this, um, I get it. You know, they're like, I'm just not a fun person. I'm just not very playful. And Alana, to your point around the neuroscience and when we can understand that this is how human beings feel safe, when we feel connected yeah. to, when we feel sane, when our brain is in play mode for the littles. Yeah. Yeah. Kids learn through play. They learn through And through play. relationship and play. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that kind of rigidity or resistance mm-hmm. yeah, or block, 
That's a big word. That's a bit, that's big, yeah. you know? And so that yeah. is kind of that step one. Like that's the first, I think that's really the place that we begin. Yeah. yeah. Well, do you have stories that you can share? I know that you do. Oh, girl. About yeah. embracing imperfection? Yeah. Well, I can start. Yeah. I can start with my story because yours is going to really dig us in. All right. <laughs> I'll start with my story. So yeah, this happened recently. So my kid loves soccer, loves soccer, 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 soccer all the time. And talk about, you know, things that, you know, this is where we don't connect. Like I'm not a big sports person. I don't play soccer. I'm not like into like big like body movement and blah, 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 blah. Like I want to connect over making dinner together or like coloring or like, you know, listening to stories, you know, like, <laughs> like walk with your warm drink. Right, yeah. like, let's go get coffee and walk around the lake, you know, <laughs> this sounds great to me. Um, and my kid's like, let's run and throw knives at trees. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God, so intense. All right. Whew. So anyway, so soccer is like not something that, you know, we really connected on, but something that I love to support, right, for my kids. So my kid loves soccer, loves sports. And we go to, I believe this is game two or three of this year's soccer season. And the first game, they just lose terribly, like just get crushed, you know, like 20 to zero, maybe one. I don't know. Just get totally crushed. And so halfway through the game in, we'll say the second one, second or third, something like that, Espen just comes out just so frustrated, just like these kids, like they're not focused. They don't want to play done with this. I can't play this anymore. This is not fun. Soccer is not fun. I hate it. You know, just Mm -hmm. pissed, you know? So everything in me is like, you are going to change this face. You love soccer. (laughs) You are going to get back out there with those kids. You are not giving up. This is not okay. All these parents are watching you have this experience and I'm fucking up, you know, right? Like everything is happening in your head. This is happening in my head. Okay. In my head. That's not what I say at all. Instead, I like take a breath, sit there for a second. Sometimes it takes me a little bit to respond because I'm just like sitting in it, you know? I was like, all right, well, there's a bench over here. Let's go sit down. Looks like, you know, you're really upset. You're really frustrated. Let's go sit and watch what's going on, you know? Let's have our feelings. Feelings are okay. You don't have to play right now. Can you play right now? You seem pretty upset. I wouldn't be able to play if I was really upset. Like, let's calm down, right? So it's like this processing, right? Of whoa, this feels like a behavior that I don't want to see my kid. Like all of a sudden, you know, I can go down this path of fear of like, oh my gosh, my kid's going to give up as soon as things are hard. You know, they're never going to be a team player. They only care if it's good, blah, 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 blah. Like I need them to follow through on this because it's the rest of their life is coming. You know, they said they were going to be on the team. (laughs) They agreed to this. Yeah. (laughs) And when I say I'm going to do something, I always follow through because that's important, you know, like, but you know, so anyway. So it's like, this is the time to practice those things, right? So when it is really important, you can follow through because you've had this practice of not, right? That, or you've had this practice of like being in that moment and being validated. So instead, right, instead of going this longer story, it's like, okay, right now, this is how you're feeling. And that's valid. And sometimes we feel that way. And sometimes we are frustrated because things aren't working out, right? How are we going to keep showing up? What are we going to do? Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt 
in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. So we just sat out the rest of the game. We watched the rest of the game, had feelings, everything. And at the end, I was like, okay, we got to show up for our team. You know, we got to go up there, high five everyone, you know, and say goodbye. So we can't just bounce out, right? This is something that's important in our family that we value. We got to say goodbye and thank you, you know? So Espen gets together, goes in and does that and comes back out. And I was like pretty upset still about soccer and doesn't want to go back. And then we got to process, you know, that whole story, which I don't need to go into because we'll talk a little bit more. But the idea behind this is just that, you know, it's like not taking that moment and making it the everything, right? Mm -hmm. And not going into the whole future of my child, right? Who knows? Maybe my kid will become a professional soccer player. But in that moment, right, they hated soccer and it was the worst thing ever. And that's okay. And they're six. Mm -hmm. And they're six. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's all right. You know, and even if they're in a professional soccer, that's all right too. It doesn't matter. It wasn't the point of the soccer. It was the point of Espen wanted to know that when they are upset and feeling those feelings, that there's space for them to feel those feelings, you know, like we were talking about before. So then it's that opportunity to be like, okay, what skill is missing here? What do we need to work through? How can we help and support each other? Because I know Espen loves soccer, right? I know they love soccer. Right. And in that moment, if you were like, oh, come on, 
what do you mean you love soccer? Yeah. Yep. We're just, we've only had one game. Get back out there. Yeah. There's no opportunity for Aspen to even see the difference in perspective. Exactly. If you wouldn't have given that space to feel the feelings. Exactly. Nobody wants yeah. to be on a team that sucks. That's no. Right. No, they don't. <laughs> you know? No, of course not. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be we on a team. We have that experience in basketball. You know? Yeah. And that fix it feeling too. I mean, that moment as a parent where you just kind of want to immediately yeah, fix yeah. it for them too. I mean, just that space. Yeah. To pause and hold and like, don't make any sudden moves, you know? Yeah. No big changes when people are flooded. Like mm-hmm. just that part. Like yeah. we can't actually take a different perspective until we're settled. Yep. So we actually, so our brain is how back. freeing is yeah. that? You know? To not have to like figure it out or do anything or make the call. Well, and I love that you didn't abandon Espen because of the internal dialogue around there's an audience, there's a right thing to do, there's judgment. Like you didn't abandon your kids. And Mm -hmm. I did a podcast with somebody and we were talking about as mothers, sometimes we get so hardcore into our role as mother that we abandon ourselves. And I just, Mm. that's such an interesting way of thinking about it. But, you know, sometimes those imperfections, when we get in our head around that external audience, we do abandon our kids. Mm-hmm. For the sake of like what saving our own face or showing up in a way that we think everybody else thinks we should mm-hmm. show up, and mm-hmm. I mean the last people we should be abandoning is our kiddos. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's so interesting. I mean, I think this narrative too around like you know who kind of whose side are you on? Yeah, you know. Yeah, like oh these annoying kids, and they're so like ugh. You know, oh yeah, teenagers. Right. Teenagers are—they're all idiots. Like mm. the conversation around teenagers breaks my heart. Breaks it's no my wonder heart. they're like, "Screw you guys." Yes, and this idea around, oh, look at that, as you're aligning with the other grown-ups, right. you know, yeah. versus like, this is my kid, and this is what my kid needs right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us your story. Well, it's—I mean—as I hear this idea around perspective taking and who they're going to be forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we had one of our COVID stories was just as everyone, when everything shut down, we were all home. So we had a three-year-old, an eight-year-old, and an 11-year-old. And that hit right at a great juncture for the three-year-old to be being a three-year-old, right? So we lost preschool. We had just moved rooms. So they were sharing a room. And the three and the eight-year-old. The three and the eight-year-old because the 11-year-olds had finally gotten her room. I did say a side story. I was like, if you can potty train her, then you can get your own room. And she did it in a week. She was like, oh, all right, yes. done, done. No problem. <laughs> I was like, that's great. So all of a sudden, we started seeing a lot of big behaviors. Obviously, we're all stressed. I mean, stressed in a way, not, you know, not stressed, but just like what's happening in the world. It was stressful. Yeah, it was just and isolating. And, isolating. and yeah. we were navigating, you and I, Alana, were navigating mm-hmm. our work situation, yeah. Zoom-wise. I had like the idea of working from home. Mm-hmm. John's teaching PE in the basement. We have two kids who are going to online school, and then I'm trying to keep a three-year-old out. Of- so everyone's navigating this. So we started seeing this uptick in behaviors. Destruction, tearing stuff down, getting in her sister's stuff. We would say... 
you know, oh, the sunscreen is only for outside, only when we're getting outside. And she would look right at us and just squeeze the tube out as she's on the kitchen table and like drop it, you know? <laughs> I mean, just hitting, not sleeping, see bucking me. the nap, see, see me. me, right? See me. And her sisters are like, oh my God, she's doing my stuff again. Oh my God, she messed this up. I'm like, Oh my God, she drew on the walls, you know? <laughs> John's like, holy shit, she peed in the corner. Like, just, it's like total chaos. But, and everybody is annoyed. And we're like, you know, over and over, it's like, Leona, 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 what? We stop, you know, it's just like, we can't even catch up. So I just said, whoa, 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 whoa. All right, what's happening here? And so I thought to myself, what would I say in my class? And so I took a page out of my own playbook, the old positive discipline playbook, and we put up a big piece of poster paper and drew the picture of the iceberg, which is really what we're talking about here in this metaphor in positive discipline of what are we seeing? What is the behavior that we're seeing? And what is underneath the iceberg is the solution to a problem that we don't see. So what's going on for this three-year-old? What's going on for this, your six-year-old in soccer? You know, this is the behavior that we're seeing, but really what's going on underneath it. And so just physically taking that perspective shift And for me saying, this is a chance for my 11-year-old and my 8-year-old to also have some shifts in perspective, to have some empathy, to understand, and for us to really have that third-party visual exercise without Leona so there wasn't a shame, especially at that age, not understanding. I think it's so wise that Vi and Josephine were a part of this. Like what you just said, I think deserves to be highlighted because so often there's the one kid that's the hard kid and the parents try to work with that one kid and then the other kids meanwhile are like mm-hmm. always the problem always getting attention always you know dot 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 mm-hmm. i love that you brought the older sisters in yeah. to solve this as well well and we have the stepping stone of family meetings that's always been a fabric of our family is yours too and so this idea of okay what is really going on and we don't have to solve it Let's just figure out what's all the stuff that's going on. Gather the evidence. Gather the information. That's exactly right. And just that process, you could feel the shift for everyone of being like, she's three. She's living in an eight-year-old's room, third kid. We did no training around like what stuff is hers and what's not. Just It was literally an eight-year-old's room. We were like, all right, you're good. We said it is COVID. She's not napping. She's lost her sweet little preschool where they get to do art every day and draw and all she's watching is the four of us. I mean, that too perspective of what are they seeing through their eyeballs? Mm-hmm. Four other humans who are putting sunscreen on and writing stuff and picking stuff up and moving quickly and, and owning, too. right? And there she was just being her little busybody self around mm-hmm. the house, you know? So, writing on this wall. And writing on writing this on wall. wall. <laughs> writing on that wall. <laughs> putting this stuff over here and exploring. She's three, her job is to explore, you know? So this idea of just not feeling seen, everyone else is just so busy, what about me? So all of these things, when we just played with what has that really helped shift the perspective for us to say, okay, so let's address those things. Mm-hmm. That's the quote unquote problem, you know? It's not her behavior. It's what are these other things that we as a family can explore? Yeah. Solutions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk about a perspective shift, Right. And I'm also hearing you speak into that embracing imperfection. And even the word imperfection kind of bugs me, me right too. now. Mm-hmm. Because there was nothing imperfect about Leona. Just like there's it's nothing the imperfect. It's like embracing yeah. the messiness. Yeah. You know? yeah. But I do think there is some validity in that word imperfect or the idea of perfection. Because for me, it brings up this need to control. 
And when things are out of control, which was like- As if we can get too perfect. Right, exactly. As COVID as it was, I mean, that idea of just control, 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 but when we can just embrace the messiness, embrace the illusion that we don't have control, that's when we can shift our perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we have a choice, right? We have a choice, I think, that we don't always realize we have in the moment, but we have a choice on how we are holding or considering what it is that we're moving through with our kids, right? We can sit inside of the negative, like this sucks, they're out of control, dead in a ditch, wherever your mind goes, right? This is the worst. Or we can sit inside of the positive. What's going on? What are the possibilities? What am I learning? What are they learning, right? So what do you see as benefits? Let's talk a little bit about the benefits of not only taking a more positive perspective on the mischief and behavior that is appropriate yet annoying, and how do we get there? I really want listeners and the people that are watching to have a takeaway around, okay, that's all great. You're saying take a positive approach, but what does that look like when we're kind of inundated by messaging around things should look a certain way? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. What comes up for me is just this piece around having their back. Like that, yeah. t- it's not about this like toxic positivity and like, oh, great. Like now we get like this opportunity to learn. Sometimes I do. <laughs> Sometimes I do do that. Yeah. I am excited. <laughs> So just, you got to, you know, accept me, okay? I am going to get out my flip chart and get pumped (laughs) up. You know, but I do think it is a deeper piece of like, have their back, be their ally, be their advocate. Like, and not just, you know, oh God, because they're so annoying. Just like put them on the iPad or whatever. Or same like the power struggle idea. Yes. Like if you let go of your end of the power struggle, there's no power struggle anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing. Like, just like take your ownership of what you're contributing into the situation. Yes. Into the perspective. Exactly. And so that piece around like the choice, I think, is that part of the control. And that we, like I hear this a lot, this just kind of vibe with parents. It's easier for me, obviously, to hear it from others. I'm sure I have this too. But this thing of like, well, I did do that. Well, I did try that. Well, I do, you know, and it doesn't work. Like, where does that leave us? That leaves us in, they're just rotten. They're just a dud. Why do we want to sit there? So there is a belief shift. And Dr. Becky does a really great job of this. I'm so happy that her work is out there around just the concept of good inside. By the way, Dr. Becky, if you're listening, Julieta and I are both available for interviews on your podcast. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) But this idea, it is a belief shift. Like when you say, how can parents gather? It is, you do have to believe it. You have to believe, you know in your heart that this isn't just a little annoying kid that's going to just, I just have to wait out this stage or they're a nuisance or what a drag, you know, get my attention. They're just trying to manipulate me. So I need some help from you guys. So I do have a very special client who I adore, who's a part of my community. And we talk about like, I even wrote it down as you were talking, like trusting that they can move through it, like having trust. Mm -hmm in their growing capabilities. And recently, this particular parent was like, I don't trust. I don't believe that they're capable. So how can I fake it till I make it, right? Like, how can I do that when all I see is a kid who I don't believe is ever going to be able to move out? I mean, when I think about the, not to bring in the mistaken goal chart here and do a little side, you know, rabbit hole, but the Adlerian psychology that we use this framework in positive discipline around 
noticing what comes up for us as an adult in order to take a different perspective, hypothesize about maybe what the child's goal is in this moment that's triggering, what their belief system is, how can we actually really explore that so that we can try an alternative respectful tool. So what comes up for me in this is in that idea of the child's feeling a sense of inadequacy because the grown-up feels so helpless and despair and like, I don't trust, I don't believe they're never going to do it. I don't know what to do. One of those respectful tools is enjoy the child. That's it. It is that one small step to be like, you want to watch the little bunny documentary? What are they called? Little Wayne? Little (laughs) what? I was like, little baby. Sorry. I'm saying that's so funny because I was like, we're not talking about little kids. No, no. I meant like, it's like little baby. I mean, it might just be, you're right. You don't have trust or faith for all these big things. And so you have to start so with one step. Yeah. What I love about that too is get to know this now 16 year old, Mm -hmm. right? And full acknowledgement, right? Because some of us have been gifted with kiddos that are tough from the get-go, right? And maybe at this point, connection is really hard to find. So just want to say, I see you. We see you. It's hard and you're tired and full permission to be tired and connection really matters. But I'm going to shift us into something different. So there's embracing, you know, the imperfection. There's that positive perspective taking. And then there's this mantra that we have in positive discipline that I love that I really want to deconstruct with you guys, which is mistakes are opportunities to learn, which is like super kumbaya when you like say it and hold it in your head. And then mistakes are opportunities to learn out in the world feels like, why do you keep making them? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Well, or keep making them or when the mistake is really messy. And they affect us too. It's not just a chance for you to learn it. It's like, I feel like I'm cleaning up the mess too here. Absolutely. Like our kid is hitting us. Our kid keeps pulling everything out of the drawers or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our kid borrows our car and hits something, (laughs) you know? Sneaks out twice in the same night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. 
Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Well, but I also, I think one thing that I play with also is just the idea of a mistake, like even the languaging around a mistake versus if it's an opportunity to learn, then why don't we just change even the language around that? Like, why we stop calling it that? Yes. What would you call it? Well, it's just their behavior. It's the practice. practice. For me, it's the practice. It's like, oh, they're practicing. Yes. You know, like every time I try to like reframe it in my mind from, what did you just do? Or what is happening? Or why did you do that? Or what are you thinking to, okay, what's the practice here? Mm-hmm. You know, yes. where are we practicing? Right. You know, well, and trying to use that language with our kids directly too. Oh, you're practicing. Exactly. You're practicing. And even this idea of like, when we look at our list of challenges or challenging behaviors, we acknowledge that many of those behaviors are developmentally expected. So it's that part too. So I think when we think about those opportunities to learn, it is the message. It is the behavior or the challenge or the mistake that is the message. It's the signal. It's the sort of like the reason behind our lesson objective, which is just like, great, what skill is missing? What is this a chance to build on or keep practicing or teach for the first time? Mm -hmm. And they're not going to learn some of these things overnight. Well, Totally. You know, like yes. we see when we look at the challenges list mm-hmm. of, you know, responsibility, independence, and the life the, all the life yeah. skills, yeah. you know, when we're looking, yeah, we're looking at the life skills list of all the things, you know, we can't learn all of these big life skills in one moment when we're four years old. Mm-hmm. Or even in one moment when we're 14. Mm-hmm. Right. That's yeah. not going to happen right then. We're still practicing it ourselves. Yes. Sometimes we hit this wall with our kids where we want to teach them, you know, emotional regulation or something, and we are dysregulated. So if we're dysregulated, how are we then in a teaching mode to help, right? And how are we expecting them to be regulated when we're dysregulated? We can't even hold it, to, right? It's that constant thing. So it's this both end of like looking at our kids and being like, oh, this is a practice and an opportunity, but also looking at ourselves and being like, this is a practice and an opportunity and holding that larger space for everyone to live in the practice. Yes. I just had this aha. This might be Captain Obvious, but I just (laughs) had an aha that we say mistakes are opportunities to learn, not mistakes are opportunities to teach. And so- Say that again. Right? And I find myself saying both all that, like going back and forth. Yes. In positivist, when we say mistakes are opportunities to learn, we don't say they're opportunities to teach. So some of these mistakes are not about for us as parents to even be our problem, mm-hmm. yeah. to be our teachable moment because they're learning themselves, right? Yeah, and like actually- if they're stacking blocks and we go in and just fix it for them, we're like, that's how it's done, right? Did they learn how to stack blocks? Right. We're teaching, but they're not learning. So that idea also around just the challenges or the discomfort or the growth edge, as you yeah. like to talk about, are those opportunities to learn. And I do think, you know, certainly I have my own issues around like the physical messes that trigger me, the drawing on the walls or the domestic kitchen or those kinds of things. But when we can really hold space for our kids to mess up and join with them to create a new neural pathway, take responsibility, do the repair, have a redo, 
you know, come in with that learning a new way for the next time. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Well, and when I think about our sweet teenagers and that novelty seeking wiring that gets ramped up, right? And like, it's not even that they're making mistakes as much as they're trying stuff on. That's right. Well, and I will say, I mean, because I'm just dipping my toes into this and I, you know, I don't normally talk about that age just from my daughter's perspective, but I, thanks to you, get to lean into our relationship with these low-level decision-making opportunities, socially, dating-wise, friends-wise, sports-wise, school-wise, to say, you decide. Mm -hmm. And you'll know on the other side, if it doesn't work out, that's going to inform you. All of this is going to inform you. So even holding that space to allow, there's a part of me that does hope she's going to go away for that weekend with that group of friends and be like, this is really uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. I actually, now I really know, Mm -hmm. you know, but take the risk to try and figure that out. Because we get it in our minds that we can just tell them into knowing, Mm -hmm. right? But really all of us are making decisions based on this really quick inventory of how did it turn out last time? How did I feel last time? What did I learn from this experience that's slightly the same? We have all of this inventory as middle-aged women. Because we learn through experience. Exactly. Right. We learn through experience. So I'm curious to hear just from your soccer story, because in this context around like to hold that for a six-year-old, like it's one thing for a teenager, you know, but it's another for the younger kids too, to really just sit in that experience. That's so interesting to have you, like usually it's this other opposite direction of like, well, it's one thing for a six-year-old, it's another thing for a 16-year-old. So I just want to acknowledge and appreciate Uh that opposing Uh perspective. Yeah, I mean, in this situation, I think for Espen, it was their ability to go from feeling that frustration and then we talked through okay, what are we going to do in the next game? Mm-hmm. What are we going to do in the next game? What perspective are we going to have? Because my whole thing was like, the only thing we can control is our perspective, mm-hmm. right? We can't control if we win the game or lose the game. You are a team player. It's not a one-on-one thing. This is, you know, it's about everyone, you know? That's how it works. So how do you want to see this next game? What does it look like for you? Mm-hmm. You know, and they were like, well, I want to win. You know, <laughs> like, there's like a, lo- a longer conversation. You know, it's a six-year-old, right? Like, we're, it's, we had a longer conversation. Like, they're like, I want to win, I want to Like, yeah, and you might not win. And we're going to hold the space for that. So what are you going to do? How are we going to show up, you know? And Espen's like, well, I like soccer. I'm going to go and see how it goes. And we actually left it at that. We didn't leave it at, like, you have to pick something, mm-hmm. you know? But it was just this opportunity to just kind of think about it in that way. But I think the real ha-ha from soccer came later, and it was in learning how to ride a bicycle, which the first day that Espen learned how to ride a bicycle, there were a couple stops of like, I hate bicycling, this is the worst, like throwing the bike down, you know, the whole thing. And then the next time we went on a bike ride, and we were going around and, you know, they're just like going in circles, going, they go, Mom, remember when I said I hated bicycling? I was like, yep. I was wrong. <laughs> I love it. I love this. This is so good, you know? And so they had it. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to say it. I didn't right, have to bring, you know, right. it was just their experience. They got to go and just like have the experience. Mm-hmm. And that's what they got to learn. I had my own angles, of course, and my own thoughts about what they should have learned or whatever. 
and obviously try to make those happen. But ultimately, they will still learn something, you know? And that's that intersection between perspective taking and mistakes are opportunities to learn. Well, yeah. yeah, and it also reminds me of what you were saying about enabling, right? You were not in the center of that. So there was room for Espen to connect dots. And that's what I feel like can be a hard place for parents of teenagers because we feel scared of the mischief making that is happening and we can see a road that takes them to dead in a ditch. And so then it gets in the way of relationship and in the way of the teen making meaning and putting that experience in their inventory, you know? And so like for me, this is so interesting because we had this whole conversation last night in my group about one particular risky behavior that many teenagers are engaging in and the level of stress and urgency. It's a behavior that my teen is engaging in too. And I feel pretty chill about it. We talk about it. We, you know, process, we do harm reduction conversations, situational awareness conversations. I feel pretty confident in his ability to assess. And so it's not this gnarly, scary thing. And it was so fascinating to watch this entire group of people so scared because their kids were engaging in this thing. Right. And if we live in this fear narrative, we can't yeah. solve, you know, we can't figure out where yeah. the skill is, where the thing yeah. is, where the opportunity is, yeah. where the, give the space for the learning, you know? And embracing imperfection doesn't mean like, yay, so glad you're doing this thing. Yeah. But it does mean like, teen brains, Ex- here we are. And accept your child and their journey. And, you know, a lot of the students that we would, whenever I did the one-on-one evaluations as a psychologist, I would go in, we start with this model in schools, which is strengths-based. That is the way you start a meeting. That is the way you start an evaluation Mm -hmm. report. What are the strengths? And I would always think, what am I going to love about this kid? You know, Mm -hmm. that strengths, like what are their strengths? And so even if it's through that lens, not necessarily like, great, I'm all in. I'm going to embrace all the imperfections. What about like figuring out what are their strengths? What can you get on board with? Even inside of their quote, poor decision making, Mm -hmm. where are there even strengths inside of that? I literally got to walk through that. And where are those, you know, whether they're six or three in my story or these teens where you've got to meet somewhere for them to practice that mistake. Mm -hmm. You've got to go somewhere. So maybe it's too big of a leap for you to let them make this huge mistake and go away for the weekend and drive in a car. But like, what is this lower level that they can just start to practice with? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So bringing us all back to what we've called this series, which is the art of connected parenting. In the context of all that we've talked about, what does connected parenting mean to you? Well, I can wrap up my story through this lens because to me, I think it's through this kind of perspective taking mistakes or opportunities to learn process, which was messy. We started by yelling and being really frustrated, but to take that step back, look under the iceberg, come together as a family, lean into finding solutions that were going to be helpful to grow skills. That's what it really was. It was like, how can we help to grow the skills? And what came out of it, the brainstorming session that we had of, okay, how are we going to address all these things that were under the iceberg were pretty cool things and really doable. It wasn't, you know, we didn't spend any money my oldest decided she was going to create this camp cartwheel that grew into a whole neighborhood thing the following summer that she was going to actually spend that time with her sister to have that art and creative outlet. 
We took the time to restructure the room, put up some blue tape to define what spaces were hers and her sister's, time for training to role play and practice the skills for how to be with stuff and leaned into that connection, Mm -hmm. you know, and empathy. So to me, that's the art of connected parenting. It's the commitment, you know, it's the commitment to connection and to relationship and to growing skills through relationship. Yeah. I love that. I'm only going to add a little bit, which is just this idea for me of like connecting to yourself and your own story, connecting to your child and maybe what their story is, connecting to the greater, you know, situation that exists. So you don't live in just your story or just their story or whatever, you know, and like kind of bringing it outward, you know, and then having that opportunity for the messiness because you have all that space then. Because you feel the connection, you feel the groundness, and you have that space, that cushion. Yeah. I think for me, it's coming back to presence and really trusting the process, right? Trusting the process, trusting the influence that is built through relationship. Yeah. And being really conscious of our own stuff that's coming up. And I do have one other thing to add. Because you talk about this, Julieta. It's like this idea of the deposits, You know, like you're making deposits towards their future Mm -hmm. and it's not any one thing that is going to carve the way, right? But it's like all of these things are opportunities when they're two and three and four and five and six, building all the way up. So whether they're 16 or 18, right? You don't have to think about it as like, oh, it's all new skills. Like what have we been building? Where have we gone already? Mm -hmm. You know, and then where are we going? Mm -hmm. And how can we think about it in that way too? It's not just isolated. Yeah. I have more to say but I'm going to hold it for future episodes. Thanks girls. Thank you so much. Loving in conversation with you. Thank you listeners for hanging out with us and following this series. Join us next week as we dig deeper into the question of what is my goal here? So yeah. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. Thank you to my Sproutable partners, as well as Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for all the support with getting this show out there and making it sound good. Check out our offers for parents with kids of all ages and sign up for our newsletter to stay connected at besproutable.com. Tune back in later this week for our Thursday show, and I'll be back with another interview next Monday. Peace. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.